And I'm going to turn things over to our speaker, Ellie. Can you believe they gave me a microphone for this? All right, the scripture today is from Isaiah 66, 12 and 13. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dangled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So I started thinking about uh, today's message and I started with my own mom. Uh, I remember thinking so many times growing up, man, I want to be just like her. And I had no idea why I thought that. I just knew that that was what I wanted to be, was my mom. And there are, very few, there are a few real truths that I was learning uh, from my mother that made me want to be like her. And I didn't even realize I was learning them just by watching. Uh, but they ring true throughout history as well, not just with my own mom. Uh, motherhood is messy. And that's okay. It's important and it's draining work, but it is rewarding. And that a mother's love for her child gives us insight into God's love for us. So I'm going to go through with you guys today some storytelling. Uh, we're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to work our way all the way through uh, to the Gospels, where we'll see these three points uh, laid bare. I have to say that uh, when I got up here and started talking about storytelling, it brought me back to uh, my time as a kid growing up in this church. And I can remember when we used to do children's story right here on these stairs. And uh, at the time that I, I came up here, my mom and, and Darla, who I considered my second mom, were kind of sitting right here and right here respectively. And I remember they were looking at me and they kept, they kept doing this. I'm like, what are they doing? And, you know, Darla's pointing at her knees and... I'm like going, okay, cool, and, and then it wasn't until after Children's Story that I realized that I was up here sitting like this, and everyone could see everything, and so thank you to my moms who are not here, Mom 1 and Mom 2, for reminding me uh, how to be a lady, even though I maybe missed the mark there, so moms, moms are great that way, um, but so we're going to start with Eve, who is the first mother. Now, there's no manual here. There's no what to expect when you're expecting to quote. The arrival of Cain literally means that Eve is just winging it. And about the time she thinks she's figured that out, boom, here comes Abel. And now, any of you that have multiple kids will, will understand what I mean when I say this. It's a whole new world. You know, you had one and... And it was fine, and you've mastered it, and you've got the diaper bag and everything, and you're ready to go. And then the second one comes along, and you're like, I don't even know where I am right now. I don't know what day it is. And I imagine that Eve is doing the same. This is this whole new world that she's never been a part of. And can you just imagine what Adam and Eve's home life was probably like? So there's baby stuff literally everywhere. Eve can't remember the last time she's slept. She doesn't know when she's bathed. She doesn't know how long it's been since she did the laundry. She probably wasn't actually doing laundry. But she's balancing Abel on a hip, and she's got her foot, you know, balancing with Cain, keeping him out of the fire, and she's like, oh, yeah, I got this. And in strolls Adam, and he's like, oh, so when's dinner? And this is, this is what all mothers go through. This is what we all feel. 
that fear, that exasperation, that anxiety, the questioning of whether or not you're even capable. But somehow we are, and we do it. These little mini humans, they do survive, and they grow up. And through every stage, we're constantly searching for that user manual that doesn't exist, because unlike Ford, no two models are the same. And we still go on with our mothering. So next, we come to Sarah, the unexpecting mother of nations. There's a couple things I want to talk about with Sarah. First, she never thought she would be a mother. Never, in a million years. She's an old lady. And so when her slave conceives a child with her husband, totally planned, she's a little bit jealous. How could you not be? I mean, you've been trying to become a mom your whole life. It's all you've ever wanted. It's what you thought you were put on this earth to do. And now here's someone right in front of you, making it look like there's something wrong with you. There aren't words to describe that emotion. And there isn't just one emotion tied to something like that. Helpless, unworthy, destitute, angry, despairing, confused, hurt. And I could go on and on. But something happens for Sarah. Something she cannot believe. In fact, she laughs at it. God gives her a son. And make no mistake, I'm not up here saying that if you believe and you're faithful in God and it's suddenly going to make you able to conceive. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God has a plan for you and that he knows your heart better than you know it yourself. Sarah thought God's plan was ridiculous. Impossible even. And lo and behold, he places Isaac in her lap. And you all know where it goes from there. So I tell you this story because what we want for ourselves, what we think is that thing that is 100% what we are supposed to do is minuscule compared to the things that God has in store for us. There are some amazing ways that he is going to work through you. And even you may not see it because it's not up to you to see it. But faith will lead you to whatever it is and lo and behold, drop it in your lap. So next we come to Yoheved, the trusting mother. So we find ourselves at a time when the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh is apparently real jealous of their numbers. Um, but Pharaoh gives this order that he's going to slay every one of the Hebrew baby boys. And this is the world that Yoheved is about to give birth into. She has two older children. She's got Aaron, she's got Miriam, and they are going to grow up to be slaves. So the future's looking really grim. But Yoheved gets this idea. She's going to hide her baby. And she's able to do this for three months. Three months. Can you imagine the stress of hiding a baby? This boy cannot be seen. He cannot be heard. There is no evidence that he even exists. I don't know about the rest of you. But anybody that walks in my front door is going to know immediately that I have small children in there. There is stuff everywhere. Someone's crying. Someone's yelling. And the smells. If you have boys, especially the smells, there's no way you could get away with hiding anything in my house child-related. Three months must have seemed like an eternity. But we get to the point where Yohevet has to do something different. She cannot hide her baby anymore. So for the sake of her son, she's going to send him away. If you've ever taken a child to daycare or a babysitter, you can empathize with this just a little. She's got to leave her baby, in this case, in a basket in the Nile. Thank goodness that is not necessary anymore. 
but she's placing him in the hands of God and trusting that this precious baby boy is going to be okay. The amount of courage that it takes to be a mother that says, I am terrified right now, but I know this will give my baby his best life. It's intimidating, but it is so maternal. That faith, that trust in God, that he knows what he's doing, when it comes to making decisions for yourself, that's already difficult. But making that decision for your baby, you are giving up control. You're saying, God, I know you've got this for me and for this child. So now we come to the book of Ruth, and we'll talk about Naomi. Now, in the book of Ruth, Naomi gets very little credit. Uh, it's mostly about Ruth. But Naomi is an interesting one. Uh, she's been through the ringer. Her husband dies and her sons die. And so now she's in this foreign land. She's got her two daughters-in-law. And she's wondering, okay, where do I go from here? So she's like 40 miles from home, which doesn't seem far for us. But if you're walking 40 miles, that's a long way. She's trying to decide what life looks like. So she's like, all right, I'm going to take a road trip. She's going home. And she really doesn't want to bring these other two grieving women with her. She's already dealing with so much. And the added constant, steady stream of that, Mom, I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. Are we there yet? It just doesn't seem that appealing to her. So she convinces at least one of them to return home. But Ruth, this stubborn girl that she is, she says, You know what? No, Mom, I'm sticking with you. So off the two of them go. They go to Bethlehem. And I can't tell you whether or not Ruth complained or whined on this trip, but they make it. And I can tell you that she was headed to a place that she was a stranger. So Bethlehem was home to Naomi, but I imagine that Ruth was filled with this incredible anxiety about what new life was going to mean for her. But Ruth trusted this woman that she now called her mother. Ruth is stubborn. She's ambitious. She's eager to make her place in the world. And Naomi is there to encourage her, advise her, support her all while she adapts to this new place. As mothers, we nurture, we advise, and then we watch as our children, biological or not, go out and do amazing things. We take the time that is given to love and support, and we're always ready to offer the kind word, the shoulder to lean on or even cry on, the gentle push out the door towards that bright future. We forgive, we patch up, we bandage, we clean up. And these kids don't even have to be children we personally birthed. Does that sound like anyone else we might know? God, God is all of those things for us. Lifting us up, always offering that gentle nudge to be the person that he created, the person he intended us to be. So next we get to Bathsheba. And this one's, this one's a tough one. This is the flawed mother. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that mothers are not perfect. And I know it's hard to believe, but there it is. We're not. We're not perfect. We look it, but we're not. With that in mind, let's look at David and Solomon and the woman who would, through sin, inadvertently, become the mother of kings. At the time that she met David, she was already married. She was married to Uriah, and uh, she allowed herself to be manipulated and used. She knowingly committed adultery, which I'm no way condoning, but for the sake of context, suffice it to say that she... She was not the model mother. She had the choice between adultery or death uh, for refusing a king. So I imagine that at this point, Bathsheba's faith is somewhere between a rock and a hard place. To add to her struggles in the turbulent history of King David, Bathsheba also suffered a miscarriage. A mother who suffers a miscarriage is devastated. 
and Bathsheba must have felt that the earth had given way beneath her. Her faith is shaken, her world collapses, and it probably seemed impossible to see the way ahead. But God did choose Bathsheba to be the mother of Solomon. Now, David lives for a long time after Solomon's born. And uh, as a, just a refresher here, David had a lot of sons with a lot of women. So in his 70s, it becomes clear that he is no longer fit to rule. David's reign is over. And it, it, it becomes clear that his fourth son, sons one, two, and three, now have died. So his fourth son decides to seize the opportunity to take the throne. Bathsheba's like, no, 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 no. I know that David and God have chosen Solomon to be his successor. So she intervenes. She gets involved, knowing that Solomon is going to be a great leader. She ensures Solomon's position is secured at great risk to her own safety. So here's a mother who started off less than ideally. She kept faith. She realized her role. And despite a few mishaps, she pushed her son to fulfill God's plan and teaches us that we can have God's voice constantly whispering in our ear but we must be willing to listen and acknowledge and act on that plan. So now I come to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is uh, what I call the prophetic mother. And Elizabeth doesn't get a lot of credit in the New Testament. In fact, you'll really only find her in the book of Luke, um, really mentioned by name and a little bit of her personality. So Elizabeth, like Sarah, has reached a point in her life where she's accepted that she's just not going to be a mother. It's not going to happen for her. Her husband comes in talking about this visit from an angel, and she's like, okay, great. Another late night out with the boys, and suddenly he comes in talking about flying men, visiting him randomly. But then it happens. She does find herself pregnant in her middle age years, and she's wondering what she's gotten herself into. She receives a visit from her cousin Mary, who is also by now pretty convinced that she's losing her marbles, and suddenly Elizabeth realizes the baby she's carrying knows that they're in the presence of the Son of God. So can you imagine? You're 45, you're craving hot wings, you're wondering if the other school moms are going to think that when you walk in that you might be your son's grandma. But suddenly it all becomes clear. You're here for this reason. You are here right now to proclaim that the young mom in front of you, carrying the weight of the world, carrying the Son of God, she is going to be all right. And that Elizabeth's son, John, is going to prepare the way for Jesus. Elizabeth will forever be tied to Mary and to the Savior. She's giving birth to the man that is destined, destined to prepare the way for the Lord, making many ready to receive him. In a way, this is true of all mothers. Our sons and our daughters will be raised in godly houses, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, going forth to continue the work of Jesus. And here we are to get them started, to get them on that right path, keep them on that path. We nudge them left. We nudge them right in the hopes that they continue with John's message of preparing our hearts for Christ. And finally, we arrive at Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Have you ever been told something that had you questioning everything? I wasn't there, but I can picture the look on Mary's face when this angel pops in and says, you have found favor with God. I bet you Mary is thinking, I have no idea what I did to deserve this. I'm over here just trying to live my life. I've got my family. I've got this amazing fiance. Like, I'm trying to make bread back here. And things are going well. But favor with God? What does that even mean? 
And it's not until she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth that Mary finally grasps the gravity of what has been chosen for her. And the list of questions running through her head, and I'm sure many mothers' heads, it just goes on and on. Why me? Why now? How am I supposed to raise this child? Am I enough? Can I do this? Similar to Esther, Mary was there for such a time as this. She was the one God pointed at and said, See, you see her there? She is the vessel that will carry and birth the Son of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. She will raise him, and she will do it well, and he will be called the Messiah. And maybe not quite to the extreme of that, but along the same vein, every mother is a woman that God points to and says, See her? Her there? She will carry and birth this child, and she will raise him or her, and she will do it well. The story of Mary doesn't end here. So Jesus is born and grows in both wisdom and grace of God, and Mary is there for every milestone. She watches this boy, who will be the Savior, as he climbs, falls, learns, stumbles, leaps to new heights, thinking, this is my baby. And when Jesus is 12, it really starts to dawn on Mary that this child that she has raised alongside all of her other children will grow beyond all of them into the man that will be exactly who the angel told her he would be. And Mary remains a key player in Jesus' story. She's never far away through his ministry or his life. She is there when he dies for our sins and when he achieves exactly what he was placed on this earth to do, to save us from ourselves. On a similar note, have you ever looked at your child and just realized how great they are and what they have become, that special person that God wanted them to be? They'll grow beyond you. They'll reach heights greater than you could ever imagine. Because isn't that what mothers really truly want for their children, to help them be more than they could ever and to love them through it? Motherly love doesn't end with a child becoming an adult, no. A mother's love, the kind that throws aside all logic and sensibility, it never, ever stops. It takes many forms, but it never wavers, and it never ends. So the next time you find yourself unable to sleep, questioning whether or not you've done the right thing, said the right thing, if you're worthy, if this is the place you were destined to be, or if you find yourself elbow deep in a mess, literally or metaphorically, and you're just trying to make it through the day, remember that no mother has it all figured out, and no mother is the same. Being a mother is messy, and it's draining. The work we do is hard, and a mother's love isn't always measured by hugs and snuggles. If you find that your love looks more like sweat or tears or exhaustion or even gray hair, you are perfectly in line with the biblical example. Being a mother is important because it is the first example we have to the way that God loves all of us, unconditionally, ceaseless, and beyond all comprehension. The way moms are like the way God loves us, unconditionally ceaseless and beyond all comprehension. Uh, Great, great job, Allie. And at this time, I want to invite everybody, everybody to stand. Moms, 
not everybody, everybody, not just moms. And we're going to take just a moment, and if you are close to your mom, you're going to lay hands and pray for her. If you're close to your wife, you're going to lay hands and pray for her. If you want to go around those that are with you and take a look around, there may be some without, and let's make sure we get hands on everybody, okay? Even, uh, uh, we've we got to get Rhonda up here too, all right? Where, where's John at? There you go. Come on. All right. I want to make sure we get, we got to get Sister Barb right here. One of the girls, was gonna, I'm going to go get Sister Barb, all right? I got Sister Barb. All right. So extend your hands with me as we pray for, for all of our moms this morning. Well, Jesus, we thank you uh, for these wonderful women that we have had the privilege, that we get the privilege to know. And for many of us that we get to call mom, we get to call grandma, or we get to call friend. And as, as Ali shared this survey uh, throughout scripture of the different moms, I pray that each mom here has found themselves in this story. And in moments like this, they have been having their own survey of the different seasons of motherhood. And through each one of those seasons, I pray they have found you. And Lord, as the word in Proverbs says, that they would today, in this moment, they would see the, their work. And whether it with a thank you, whether it with a happy Mother's Day, or just simply with knowing who they are and who their young men and their young women have become, uh, they would, it would see the fruit of their praise. And Lord, may you continue to guide them. May you remind them of, Lord, who they are in you and how they breathe life to this world and how they have continued to breathe life into each one of us each and every day. Remind us of who we are and where we came from. We thank you for our moms, and we thank you for these wonderful women who have influenced us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a couple things before your benediction this morning. Um, first of all, Allie has picked out some gifts for all of you. you, you, you ha- there's an assortment of, of flowers, but I can't even just call them flowers, right? We have succulents. And what, what are, I'm looking for, Allie. What else we got back there? And poison ivy. And she, just, she kept seeing stuff and just had to have it. Okay, poison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so lots of stuff that you guys can grab. You could have your choice on your way out. Um, how, I didn't know, how many of you had uh, a hot wing cravings when you were pregnant? I was looking that up on Google because I have those all the time, and I didn't, know, I didn't know if it was possible. But, hey, for your benediction, this one is just to the moms. May you receive the reward you have earned, and your works bring you praise at God's city gate. Grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful week. Jamaica. So now I gotta take you to my home.